You're listening to These Interesting Times, Surviving 2020 in the Quad Cities, a literary anthology edited by Misty Urban and published by the Midwest Writing Center Press in Rock Island, Illinois. This is Carolyn Rambo reading A Terrific Disaster in These Interesting Times, Surviving 2020 in the Quad Cities anthology. Happy beginnings. My first memory of 2020 was a meme. I know, such a millennial. The meme was a list displaying all of the holidays of the upcoming year. New Year's and Christmas on Fridays, Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday, 420 for the entire month, 4th of July and Halloween on Saturdays. This year is going to be lit. My first thought of this of the year, much like every new year, was this will be the year of change and progress. I had plans to leave my boring job of two and a half years and start a new career that would change my life. I was going to finally think about becoming a homeowner, getting my first nice car, giving my kids a life I never had as a child from the south side of Louisville, raised four blocks from Arcade Apartments, aka the projects. January was decent enough, save the regular BS that comes with toxic relationships, having a 10-year-old going on 16, a toddler, and a newish baby. Super fun, right? I was starting anew with the confidence and motivation so strong yet so foreign to me as a natural procrastinator and all-in-all lazy being. As with most people in my experience, I felt this was a perfect opportunity to learn new things and grow, since I'm getting old anyways. I studied my CDL test training book with all the focus and dedication I could muster in between asking the same 16 questions I had been asking since I started my job when my middle little one was 10 months old or so. January was the birth of a new me and nothing was going to stop me. I now knew my pre-trip inspection as well as those 16 questions I had to ask every person who wanted to legally dig in the states of Iowa and North Dakota. Let's get it, right? I had heard of the new coronavirus from Wuhan. I don't think this is really going to turn into anything serious. Eh, I'm not worried. It probably won't ever reach Iowa anyway, and is likely a distraction from the real problems going on in the country and world. Not to mention that this sounds way too much like something out of a Resident Evil movie. Three days into the new year, and we're on the verge of World War III, and I have little hope that it will be somehow avoided. General Qasem Soleimani, the head of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Cuts Force, has been killed early on Friday, alongside several others following a U.S. air raid at Baghdad's International Airport. Surely all this coronavirus stuff will blow over, but this may be the end of the world anyway. Trump's claims to want to put a stop to the endless wars the Middle East has, like pretty much of all his other promises, been broken as we now have to prepare for what may be the worst war of our lifetime. I'm left wondering how this inevitable apocalypse will start and how it will end. Yay, it's my birthday. I haven't been excited about a birthday since I turned 25. I begin February with my usual small midlife crisis. I'm not where I should be at this age. I should have stayed in school. I should have, should have, should haves. You know how it goes. Holy heck, one more year to 30 the age I always considered to be that of a real adult. At least it is a new beginning of sorts. Work is still slow enough that all of my studying has paid off and I passed my tests and got my CDL permit and can start my new life. The news gets more dreary every day. Our president downplaying the severity of the situation surely won't help. I started my own research and concluded this is a force to be reckoned with, however not a major concern for me or my family. I've now become a fan of Dr. Fauci and at least I have him to provide important information and some comfort in knowing someone out there knows what we should do. So long as everyone does their part as we learn more about this new monster, my naivete says to me. At the minimum, World War III has been avoided and I can still go start my new life, right? Now Anouk is the least of my concerns. 
Thus far, COVID-19 meets two of three required factors that would signify a pandemic, illness resulting in death and sustained person-to-person -person spread. Health officials still say my state has a low risk of seeing any cases. We shall see how March goes. A 13-minute drive from my childhood home, a woman only a few years younger than I, was the victim of faulty police work resulting in her death. After an internal investigation, protests, hashtags, the eventual firing of the officers involved, this woman that I could have so easily known is still gone. Her mother still lost a daughter who is spending her time helping others as we enter this health crisis. Two days prior to her death, the World Health Organization declares COVID-19 a pandemic. On the day of her death, the president declares a national emergency. The governor of my state declares statewide lockdown. I get sent to work at home, so my plans on driving the city bus across the river in Rock Island, Illinois are put on hold. I'll have to wait a couple months to start so all this mess can blow over. Surely by May, maybe June, everything should be back to normal. Normal for me, back to life for me, but never for beyond Taylor. And I still think of her from time to time. Even in the midst of all this BS, black people can still count on their most imminent threat being racism. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman, Malcolm X. And 55 years later, this still rings oh so unfortunately true. March was arguably the worst month of the year for so many of us, myself included. At least we're going to get our stimulus and I can begin my DoorDash addiction soon and pack on those quarantine pounds. Bring it on, 2020. Believe it or not, the worst is yet to come. Well, I'm getting extra, extra comfy rolling out of bed, slippers, sweats, braless, with my fresh good coffee rather than my office sledge. More than 26.5 million Americans have filed for unemployment since mid-March. Well, I'm on about my ninth or 10th pound gained, hard to tell when you live in leggings and sweats, doing my QC quarantine beer chugs and enjoying all the extra time with my kids. These events taking place separately, of course. As of April 16th, there were 632,548 cases of COVID-19 in the United States. Well, that escalated quickly. Preventative measures put in place to prevent the spread, you remember the flatten the curve thing, are somehow politicized. Only in America are you a libtard sheeple for caring for your fellow human. I was headed into a partial depression for the state of the world, a happy time still in many ways, end of a terribly unhappy relationship, newfound happiness with my boring job, getting used to carrying the mask with me out of the car rather than having to take the walk back to the car as I approach the door. You know the oh crap, I forgot my mask walk. This month was good, bad, and everything in between. I will forever remember it as the month I finally left that abusive a-hole. National Institute of Health trial data, which are not peer-reviewed, show that remdesivir made by Gilead Sciences is better than placebo in treating COVID-19. Patients with advanced COVID-19 and lung involvement who received the antiviral had a 31% faster recovery rate or about four days. Hope on the horizon, guys. Remember the murder hornets? On May 9th, it was revealed that various White House staff have tested positive for COVID-19. On May 11th, Doctors Without Borders sent doctors to New Mexico to help the Navajo Nation curb the coronavirus. In South Dakota, the governor writes to tribes to remove checkpoints they had set up to protect their reservations from COVID-19. A-hole, right? We're consistently seeing that those with money and the right skin tone will always get the treatment, the care, the representation that we all deserve. I have been aware of racial disparities since I can remember. One of my earliest memories is of an old white man pulling a gun on my dad and asking me if I knew him. The man who raised me since I was about one or two is black and I'm not. At least now, I feel like this has revealed to many these truths of inequity. And oh yeah, the freaking murder hornets.
At least we have Justin Timberlake. It's going to be May memes. Yay. We're halfway there. The number of confirmed cases in the U.S. reaches 2 million. States are easing social distancing restrictions. A certain group of people who overwhelmingly support our incompetent D-bag-in-chief have apparently complained enough about their inability to go yell at a TV at Buffalo Wild Wings, while science and experts are being ignored. I'm spending my summer afraid to let my kids play at the park, so we're still mostly staying home. My middle child turns three in the midst of the worst health crisis of this century. How depressing to think of what his first year of school may be like if we continue on our current trajectory. While others are celebrating being able to get drunk in public again, I'm worried that my kids may not ever have a normal life with hand-holding and sharing snacks like I was able to. In happier news, Black Lives Matter has gained international attention, even though the cops who killed Breonna Taylor have still not received the proper consequences. Just another month. On July 14th, the World Health Organization announced that there are 164 COVID-19 vaccines in development. This is great news to me. In typical fashion, Half of my Facebook newsfeed is those with no medical training or expertise who likely cannot properly clean and bandage a small wound, expressing how firmly against receiving said vaccines they are for fear of the microchips and terrible non-existent side effects. Most other independence days in my past were spent with 20, 30 plus friends and family members. This year, it's just me and my kids having some grilled food and hanging out at home, which is fine by me as it's less mess to clean and less socialization, which I do so dread. Still spending my days muting my work phone as my kids come downstairs screaming. But by now everyone is so used to hearing screaming toddlers in the background, they don't even care. It's beginning to feel like we can all just act like we are people with children, families, and lives outside of work. It's nice to hear these usually serious guys talking about their experiences with our new COVID lifestyle. While at first they all sounded annoyed to hear my toddler yell mommy from across the room, they now giggle and recount their own story of their kids making appearances at their workplace. Now stay-at-home moms can get their credit for dealing with kids all day while still managing to accomplish anything else. Getting closer. My favorite things about this month were my oldest and youngest birthday party and it being so close to November. The party was probably the first bit of normalcy we had since February. It's seeming visible, the end of all this crap we've been dealing with for almost three years. Everyone is so pumped to get registered to vote and once again have a leader who can read a few sentences without embarrassing us as a nation. Yay, ergo, things may be back to normal soon. While COVID has rendered many of my friends jobless, underemployed, or broke, my line of work was booming with so many staying home doing landscaping projects and putting up their privacy fences, having realized how weird and nosy their neighbors are since we've all been home so much. So this was a plus for me. All this extra money to order more food and keep getting fat. Woohoo! Halloween Eve month. The same day that the United States reports 3 million COVID-19 infections, the nation begins its withdrawal from the World Health Organization, citing its response to the global pandemic. Way to go, everyone. Hope your haircut was worth it. Also, in other news, more protests as another, yeah, another, black man is killed by the LA police. Meanwhile, some news stations are trying to demonize the Black Lives Matters movement, regardless of the fact that 93% of Black Lives Matter protests are peaceful. So in true Trump fashion, on September 5th, he bans racial sensitivity training in federal agencies, calling it anti-American propaganda. Because, you know, after all these minorities getting murdered, the last thing we need is more divisiveness. For me, this month is pretty mundane as I am just waiting for November. The news is making me feel like I live in an Onion News article. Nothing really made this month stand out for me, 
probably brain fog from months of depression due to personal BS, living in this strange time, worrying about the outcome of the approaching election will be, and what the outcome will mean for my one female black child and my two Mexican children. Oh, 2020. By this time, I am so ready for you to be over. Time to steal the kids' candy. This is my favorite time of year for candy stealing. I'm still not sure how Halloween will go or if we're going to have trick-or-treating this year. I've heard it's off and on from different people and sources every day. On October 2nd, Trump and Melania both tested positive for COVID-19. A great day for America. I know some of you may think, how could you think such a thing? And to you, may I remind you, this is a racist, xenophobic, rapist pedophile, so I really don't care. On October 3rd, he decides it is more important to go wave at some people than ensure the safety of his own secret service as he rides around in a hermetically sealed SUV. Jeez, what a great guy. He spends his TV time downplaying the severity of the virus. Forget the fact that he is receiving the best medical care for free. Millions of Americans are fighting this virus, many on ventilators and COVID wards all over the country. On the 19th, 70,000 new cases are reported in a 24-hour period. Trick-or-treating is on. We get the costumes. 11-year-old is some Fortnite character, middle is Batman, and the baby is Baby Yoda. Adorbs. Not many kids out tonight, so we clean out as most of our neighbors are just shoveling a quarter of their candy into their bags. Early voting is on. Democrats are really getting out there. Finally, a good end of the month to this year. Can someone teach Nevada how to count? I start this month pumped to go vote. I watched the election I watched the election results with my daughter while she witnesses a woman who looks like her become the vice president. For the first time since Obama won, I feel proud to be an American. We're seeing progress and feeling hopeful even closing out a year with 230,000 plus deaths from the pandemic. While my own life is up and down and everything in between for a million reasons, I do feel like this is a good ending to a terrible year. Of course, the current administration is just getting on my nerves with all of the stolen election BS, countless lawsuits, tweets, questioning the integrity of our democracy with baseless claims of fraud. It is easy to see that not too many are buying into it, luckily. It would be nothing short of a miracle for him to somehow stay in office. The New York Times had an interesting article. About nine of every 10 voters said the protests over police violence were a factor in their voting, with more than three quarters of voters calling it a major factor. According to preliminary data from AP VoteCast, a large voter survey conducted for the Associated Press by NRC at the University of Chicago. Two other quotes from the article. Alphonse Bowman of Philadelphia said that as he cast his ballot for Joseph R. Biden Jr., he was thinking of how just a week before the police had fatally shot a young black man. Anne-Marie Kelly, a white medical worker who lives just a couple of hours away in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, said she was horrified by the vandalism and looting that followed protests in some cities and reinforced her resolve to vote for Mr. Trump. If this is not the perfect example of why I am so happy and relieved to get this sorry excuse out of office, placing more importance on material things than human lives, literally. I am so looking forward to this no longer being acceptable. It is time to make racists afraid again. I suppose never having to deal with oppression could cause you to be a less empathetic person. All of these people having been emboldened for far too long by the Trump administration's words and actions has allowed all to see just how truly broken our society is. Those who are not already aware that is closing closing out this year with 400,000 plus dead from COVID-19 226 African-Americans killed by police with 432 whites 
making blacks roughly three times more likely to be killed by police as the U.S. population is 13.4% black and 59.7% white. Based on data from 14 participating states, age-adjusted COVID-19-associated mortality among Native Americans was 1.8 times that of non-Hispanic whites, CDC. 22 million lost their jobs. Many are still underemployed or unemployed. I could surely throw in some more depressing statistics to illustrate just how awful this year was for so many, particularly those with less money and or more melanin. Let's all hope 2021 will be better to us as we heal and hopefully the necessary changes can be made. Closing out this year with good news of better days to come. We can all rest a little easier knowing that a narcissistic, crusty orange a-hole will no longer be making decisions which may change the lives of nearly everyone in the country. We can look forward to hearing advice from experts rather than maybe try drinking bleach or hand sanitizer. Good luck, everyone. Much love. Thank you for listening to These Interesting Times. This audio presentation is made possible by a partnership between WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and the Midwest Writing Center in Rock Island, Illinois. Support for this project comes from the Illinois State Library.